0: Hey, welcome to the podcast, I am your host, Mike Bellini, and we are on a mission to make marriage a priority and to help families become stronger by offering insight and tools to have the absolute best, longest lasting marriages that we can. Before I introduce our guest, a quick reminder, my new book, Ultra Marriage, is out, and you can find it on Amazon or at my website, mikebellini.com. It's a book that really anyone can relate to. If you've read it, I'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to DM me on Instagram, send a message through my website, or uh, definitely leave a review on Amazon. It, It really helps. I'd love to hear what you think. Okay. I just dropped my youngest child off at college last week for her freshman year. And let me tell you, it's a moment that causes you to ponder how you raised your kids for the 18 years that you had them at home. Lots of thoughts lately about what I did, how I did as a father and if there's anything that I left on the table. Our guest on the podcast this week is the perfect person to speak to both parenting and how children impact your marriage. He's a husband, a father, a serial entrepreneur, TEDx and international speaker, author, coach, Spartan OCR racer, and farmer. Needless to say, he has a lot going on. In the midst of the overwhelm, he created an experience for his four children that they called his children titled Daddy Saturday. You can probably infer from the nickname what it's about, but it quickly became a movement that Justin is now dedicating much of his life to. He is passionate about making fatherhood a priority and has grown the Daddy Saturday influence tremendously in that pursuit, recently partnering at a huge event over this past Father's Day weekend in June that we talk about in our conversation. As you can imagine, having such a busy and impactful lifestyle and dedication to his children creates challenges and a need to be just as intentional in his marriage so Justin and his wife also mentor young couples and in our conversation he shares some practical and powerful strategies that he and his wife use to maintain an amazing relationship in the midst of being parents entrepreneurs influencers and dedicating their lives to helping others and making the world a better place there is a lot of wisdom in this episode from someone who walks the talk. So here we go, my conversation with Justin Bat. So our our paths crossed thanks to Amy Tucker of Salty Britches and the more that I've I've read about you, I watched your TED Talk uh, that you did a few years ago as well and I realized that our missions are really aligned. Uh, you're you've been doing this for for a few years, and I want to get into the really the the heart and the mission and the in the vision behind Daddy Saturday and and the importance of uh, the really the the impact you're trying to make in in on fathers and in fatherhood and your you know your your passion and your vision for fatherhood aligns completely with what I'm doing in marriage as well. I just happened to pick, it seems like we picked our, our, lanes. I picked marriage because that's, it was, it was the really, honestly, really what I felt I was called to, uh, called to write about. And, um, you know, you're being a, a really the, the full-time dad on the, on the weekends or on Saturdays really stepped into that role. But, I believe that we are both equally intentional and passionate in understanding of the importance of both being a husband and a father and it's in my opinion fatherhood is is diminished a bit if the marriage falls apart it just makes things makes things more difficult and marriage is enhanced when fathers are engaged in their children so really just wanted to start off with a little bit about your background you last time we talked you you mentioned how there was a, a definitive shift in your life as a as a father and really as a person because you're you're doing something completely different today than you were several years ago right and so just kind of talk about where you know coming coming up through pharma and then the genesis of daddy Saturday. And, and we can, I do want to talk about that. I want to talk about daddy Saturday as well. So let's just kind of give us a brief, uh, brief come up of, of how you got to where you are.
1: Yeah. So Mike, I was uh, at Clemson where so I met my wife and she was a year younger than I was graduated ahead of her, went right into pharmaceutical straight out of school was very fortunate at the time. It was harder to get a job with Pfizer than it was to get into Harvard law school. So, um, you know, I was very, very fortunate to make that happen. and. Um, Then we were married a year after school and about a year and a half into our marriage, um, she was a teacher and just became really frustrated with the teaching industry and kind of looked at her and said, look, you're making like $2 and two cents an hour. If we add all this up, Um, this is either going to be a ministry and a calling for you, or you need to figure out something else to do because it just doesn't make sense. And she said, well, I want to start a business. And I said, well, you got babies or bridal. um, Those are both, you know, good opportunities. And we talked about each of those, and she created a business plan, landed on bridal. I said, go for it, and I'll support you. And we had our first child, Hayden Olivia, at that time. So I'm a pharma rep. My wife's launching her bridal store as an entrepreneur in Charlotte, North Carolina. We had our our young daughter uh, right away, two weeks old, and I'm at home with her all day on Saturdays. And then fast forward, I'm climbing the ranks in pharma. I'm moving through promotions and moving into the upper levels. And my time, my travel—it's way more demanding. Heather's still growing the store and wearing all the hats as the entrepreneur. And we added three more boys to the mix every two years. So now I'm a—you know—a corporate dad, traveling to New Jersey about every other week and spending time on airplanes and in hotels and in boardrooms. And just recognize it's not the life that I wanted, and I didn't want to gain uh, the status of airline points and hotel points. I wanted bedtime stories and baseball games, right. To be my, my legacy and just recognize that I needed to make a shift and a change, um, at the same time was spending all those hours on Saturday with our, our four kids, trying to figure out how to keep them alive, have fun, be engaged and make the most of those Saturdays together. And that's where the, the two really merged. You asked about my career and daddy Saturday, that's where it kind of came together. Uh, a little over, we've done these for for years now, I mean, over over a decade, but at the same time, um, there was really about a, a four and a half year span now that I've been proactively pursuing Daddy Saturday. And And that idea was, and my kids named it that, to create these epic adventures on Saturdays. How do I engage my kids through intentionality to create a legacy that they're going to look back on and say, my dad was invested in my life. Um, was he perfect? No. But did we have a lot of fun? Did we grow together? And do we have a great relationship? Yes. And that was all the idea of, of what Daddy Saturday was all about. And so we started doing those days on Saturdays. Um, they became epic. And you know, what was interesting. I know that you have a big focus on marriage. And by being intentional with our kids, I also found on Saturdays, I found that I was also way more intentional in our marriage. And, you know, Daddy Saturdays is just not about Saturdays, by the way. And I think everybody recognizes that that was just my day with the kids. Um, it, it's every day, right? And intentionality is something that has become part of who you are and your brand and the way that you approach life and approach your, your, your marriage, your children, your parenting, your career, your fitness, your health, right? It carries over into everything. And so I began to pursue that journey across our kids in our marriage and launched the, the ministry and the platform of daddy Saturday, about four and a half years ago.
0: And your kids kind of, they, they somewhat named it daddy Saturday, right? Because they, uh, from what I understand, they started say, coming to you and saying, daddy, what are we going to, you know, so what are we gonna do on Saturday, what are we gonna do on Saturday? And they started calling it daddy Saturday, right?
1: Yeah, it's actually my middle son, Mason. Um, they would come to me on like Wednesdays and say, dad, what are we doing for Saturday with dad on Saturday? because they knew it was just going to be me, and I would always keep it a surprise. I'd never let them know what we were doing. That was part of the fun of it, and you know, I, I called it hype. So when they would come out Saturday morning, I'd, I'd have music playing. I'd have pancakes going, right? We would just, we'd get them all hyped up for our day together, and then I'd roll out what we were going to do, what the game plan was. And having that game plan was so important. Well, one of those Wednesdays, my middle son, Mason said, dad, what are we doing for daddy Saturday? And I said, oh my goodness, you just named it. We're claiming that. That's what we're going to call this thing. The domain was available. So he grabbed it and daddy Saturday was born.
0: That's outstanding. So I kind of, I, I want to stay on this topic a little bit. I know the the, you know, the podcast is about marriage and we'll get to that in a bit, but because you, in your TED talk, you mentioned taking your daughter to I know you took her to dinner was a day in in my mind. I was recalling back when my daughter was four or five years old and I took her to our first father daughter dance. And I can't remember in your Ted talk, if it, if you did take her to a dance or if it was dinner, but I'm curious. And this is where, this is where all of this connects to me. When I, when I first took my daughter, like I said, she was four or five years old. We went out to, she dressed up and it was interesting because she was Cinderella for, um, for Halloween that year. And the the daddy daughter dance was about three or four months later and it was a princess ball is how it is what they named it. So of course she wore her Cinderella costume because what else would you wear to a princess ball? So we walk into a restaurant, she's in her Cinderella costume. I'm in my suit. We go to the dance. What I didn't expect was coming home and seeing tears in my wife's eyes because of how appreciative she was about the intentionality of making this such a special event for my daughter, because my wife was a daughter first, right? So um, I, and this is where, like I said, this is where all of this kind of, kind of connects. And I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned how being intentional with your kids, it translates over to your marriage as well. And, and kind of how that, how that evolved and how that, because it, well, there are more questions I have, but I'll just kind of stop there. And, and with with the launch of Daddy Saturday, how did that impact the family kind of as a whole?
1: Yeah, you know, there was um, our situation was unique because my wife would either leave on Friday night or on Saturday morning, you know, and she'd be gone all day on Saturday and come home late Saturday night. And of course, when she would get home, she was exhausted. She was, you know, fulfilled from having had adult conversation and working all day and and something she loved doing. But at the same time, you know, she was, she was tired. She got home. And so we would also do things as a family for, for my wife. So when she would come home, the house would be picked up, right? We had cleaned. We'd often go to the grocery store and, and we'd frequent the whole food flower section and have, you know, a bouquet of flowers there. There were many times where we would do um, dinner and the kids would help me cook and we'd make paper chef hats and, They'd be wearing the aprons and all dressed up, and you know they would also serve her dinner when she did get home if it was late. Um, and there was all sorts of things that we would do is, in terms of surprises. There were ways that I would invest in our marriage, right, and and have a little date night so I'd have the kids all to bed when she got home and be just the two of us, and we could just relax and hang out and have a meal, have conversation. So it was also you know the intentionality of, of me being with our kids all day on Saturday would also cause me to be very intentional about how I took care of things so that when she got home, right, she felt loved and, and felt served and felt appreciated for the fact that she was out there also working for our family and trying to make things happen. I tell a lot of guys and dads this all the time. You know, my wife does work on those Saturdays and that's fine. There's a lot of, of wives that don't work on Saturdays or don't work at all. They stay home and that's completely fine. I, I I love that. I appreciate that. I think that's great. It's whatever's best for your family, right? But you have to look at that and say the intentionality doesn't change either way. And so if your wife is home with the kids all week long, or your wife's homeschooling the kids at home, right? The one thing she probably wants on a Saturday is some me time or some, um, female adult conversation with, with her girlfriends, right. Or the ability to go take a nap if she wants to. And that's what daddy Saturday really came about was it's like, Hey, give mom a break for the day, take the kids for a couple of hours, dad, and be prepared, have a plan and let mom go do her thing and go get a mani petty, right go do whatever she wants to do and in doing that like you're you're refueling her you're re-energizing her in the marriage and that's going to be reciprocated back to you right because now you've filled up her love tank and and just like you said the way your wife looked at you and had tears in her eyes right that's the way that that moms and wives are wired when they see you engaging with your kids um that just, it brings out that emotion in them. That's the nurturing piece of who they are as a woman and as a mother. And when they see a, a, a husband, a man engaging with their kids, right, that, that releases those hormones. That's, that's what makes them um, so appreciative of it. So I think the intentionality is, is absolutely important for um, pouring into your kids and that being reciprocated into the marriage. It also shows that you're not being selfish because, you know, look, as guys, it's easy to do. We can sit there and say, look, I want Saturday to be my day. Um, you know, I want to go golfing. I want to go watch the game. I want to go have some beers with my buddies, whatever that looks like for you. Right. It, it can be selfish where you do your time and that's fine. You can have your time, but at the same time, you can also say, I'm going to carve out some specific time to be intentional with my kids. And then we always made fa- Sunday family time. So Sunday was always our time as a family to all come back together. It's the one day a week where we just, you know, took a break from everything else and we just centered ourselves as a family.
0: Yeah. So how, how do you stay away from succumbing to that selfishness? Because it's, it's easy. What, what would you say to dads that are working 50, 60, 70 hours a week? And I need to refuel myself. And, and I'm curious, how, when do you get your time? Cause I know you run Spartan races, right? And so I know you're, you're, you're super, super driven um, physically, mentally, emotionally, personal growth, all of that, how do you get your time? And what would you say to dads that say, well, when I come home and, and on Saturdays, I want my time. What about me?
1: Yeah, I would just say this. I would say that the, the days are so long, but the years are so short when you have kids and the time that you have them in the home is still limited. If the average child has 933 weeks in the home, um, that is such a short distance. For them to travel from birth until they leave the home. At nine years old, they're halfway through. If you have a nine-year-old and you're listening to this, your child is halfway out of the house unless they're a boomerang kid and they come back, right? So just think about that for a minute. And, And so how do you not have the opportunity to sacrifice a little bit to make the most time, most use of that time that you have? I would say superpower, the dad's superpower is sacrifice. And, you know, as dads, it's the one thing that we can do routinely is offer up ourselves, our time um, to be able to do that. The, the, one of the tricks that I've learned oftentimes in those early days, they call it the dad hangover. Right. I'm tired on Friday night. I come home from work and just be exhausted and then get up Saturday morning without a plan and, and just feeling like, how do I do this? Right. How do I have these four kids and have the energy to engage them for eight or 10 hours on a Saturday? every single saturday and you know that that mindset shift had to happen and so part of that was your feelings follow behaviors your behaviors don't follow your feelings so just like working out you may not feel like working out but once you get in the gym and the endorphins start going guess what you feel like being there and you feel good um same thing with your kids if you just engage your kids if you have a plan and you get out there and you start doing it then the giggles the laughter the enthusiasm, even the mistakes, right? You start to then feel like you want to do it. So part of it was I'm just really good at forcing myself to do things and, and get into it. Um, I'm biased by action. The other thing I would say is that if you can help yourself be comfortable being uncomfortable, then that just translates over. I routinely do things to put myself in uncomfortable situations. Spartan certainly helps with that. I take cold showers every day. So I'm just used to making myself uncomfortable and that uncomfortableness can be, I have to give things up in order to, to benefit, you know, the greater good, which in this case is my family. Then the last thing I would say is that, um, if you expect yourself just to go into a Saturday and, and just make it happen. Then, and you can keep doing what you're doing. It's not going to change. You can't burn yourself out during the week and expect you to go into a Saturday with no gas left in the tank and it'd be an amazing day right? Margin matters. And you have to preserve that margin during the week. You have to invest in yourself during the week so that you're maybe you still work 50, 60, 70 hours, but do you really need to work that many hours, right? Is there ways you could be more efficient? You could delegate, you could defer. Are there things you could do for yourself, like get up earlier and start backing up 15 minutes a day until you get to that time you need to, to be able to, to invest in yourself spiritually and emotionally and physically and mentally, before your day begins, when you can get it in by yourself, I guarantee you, if you do that five days a week, and you, even if it's for 30 minutes in the morning, and you invest in yourself in those ways, by the time you get to the weekend, you will feel dramatically different than you do now. So I think it starts on, on Sunday or Monday, right? Sunday being a Sabbath, where you just take a break from social media, from technology, from everything else. And then you, you make that the first day of your week, and then you go into your, the rest of your week, and it makes it so much easier. And then the, the final thing is you have to put it on paper on purpose. So the one thing that changed everything for me was when I started treating my personal life, my life with my kids as I do my business. And so, you know, you don't do you calendar for your business. Of course. Right. You use Outlook or, or Google Calendar or whatever. All of your appointments, all of your meetings, your time blocking, your day. Right. You're, you're efficient. Most people are very good at that. They have everything laid out. Why do we not do that with our family? I'm not saying you have to be down to the minute with your family, but if you have a date night with your daughter, that better well be on the calendar and you better be preparing for that, right? Saturday with the kids, put on Wednesday night or Thursday night, I'm going to spend 15 minutes investigating, I call it R&D, rip rip off and deploy. What am I going to do with my kids on Saturday? 15 minutes, all it takes. Then you go on Amazon, you order what you need and it shows up at your house on Friday and you're ready to go for Saturday. Like It's not complicated, it just takes intentionality and preparation.
0: I love what you said about, um, what did you say? Feelings follow behavior. Is that how you, is that how you put it? Okay. That's
1: feelings follow behavior. behaviors. Don't follow feelings.
0: Yes. Okay. And yeah, that hit me strong. And I, uh, and I wanted to highlight that because something that I've actually, I've actually been praying fairly recently is for God to change my heart as I change my behavior, right? If I have a habit, that I want to change. It's okay. I'm going to change this behavior, but I still have that selfishness. I still have that, whatever that thing that's tugging me. And so I've, I, th- that completely hits home with me.
1: I think one more thing I want to address real quick that, that we brought up in that past conversation that I think is super important is that when you're, when you're a husband and when you're thinking about your marriage as well, And the whole concept of intentionality, right, and planning things on purpose, it's also important to do the same thing with your spouse, right? I talked about it with the kids, but, you know, the same thing is true with your spouse. And one of the things that that I found that this is a a game-changing tip, so this would be one thing I would highlight if you're listening to this, is my wife and I both working and both being entrepreneurs, we found ourselves talking about business all the time. And so we'd have a date night and all we would talk about is business. And so we're like, what happened to investing in each other and talking about our marriage and, and our dreams and hopes and visions and all the things that we want to do together. And, you know, we recognized that we were not communicating well as a couple. So we started to do a business date night during the week. We put that on the calendar and then we'd have a date night, date night during the week and the business date night, all we did is talk about business. And we try to save up anything that was um, important, but not urgent for that meeting. And then on the date night, date night, there was no business allowed. We could only talk about each other and our kids and our dreams and where we wanted to go on vacation next. And it's all the things that we, you know, we would communicate about. And um, that was a game changer for our marriage. And it was also very intentional. And again, we put it on the paper on calendars on purpose and we held those consistently. And that has been another game changer.
0: Do you still take a Sabbath? Cause that's actually, that's another thing that I'm, as i'm getting more entrepreneurial i'm starting to realize the benefit of having a break and particularly a weekly break regardless of what day it is or or how i do it it's just a break from all of the normal the daily grind even i'll work around the house i'll go you know but and spend time with family i'll be very very active on my day off or sabbath if you will but it was ex- it's extremely difficult Because the amount of expectation and work and stuff to do is always piling up. So to actually take an intentional day and say, yeah, I'm I'm actually not going to do that. Do you, well, number one, do you still have an intentional Sabbath each week or most weeks? And how do you get yourself to do that when there are a million things to do all the time?
1: Great question. And I actually have two Sabbaths. So I consider Daddy Saturday a Sabbath because I'm I'm shutting everything else down. And I'm focusing on my kids. Right. So that is that is Sabbath number one. It's my it's our family Sabbath. And then Sabbath number two is on Sundays. And, you know, within that, um, that's also changed and evolved over the years. And I've really done a lot of study around what is a Sabbath. And one of the things that really resonated with me that I, I read or heard recently was, that if you work with your mind all week then you can work with your body on the sabbath if you work with your body all week then you work you engage your mind on the sabbath and i loved that paradigm shift because that's that's actually what i do um, most sundays we go to church spend time with the family and then i'll be out working around the farm and then that's just been the last two years right that's changed we used to go to the beach on sundays a lot of times but i would engage my yes i'm still engaging myself physically and yes i still train and work out and all those things during the week but it's not the same thing and you know it's it's therapeutic it's relaxing and you know my phone's put away and i'm just out there in nature out there working hard and you know i get done with those days and yeah my body may be tired but my mind is refreshed and then i go into the week and i've i've achieved what i've hoped to achieve which is clarity which is refreshment and rejuvenation to then go and tackle the crazy weeks, you know that that I keep piling on top of myself. So, so yes, I do it. Yes, I think it's critical. And unfortunately, I believe that you know most of our society today doesn't engage in that. Whether you're you're in, of the Jewish faith or you're a believer, right? I mean, the, the Jews today are the only ones that really adhere to a Sabbath with consistency. And I feel like, unfortunately, the most of the rest of society doesn't do it, and it's a major gap that we have. And it would, it would, it would be so much more impactful in the week and then going into the weekends if we did it.
0: Yeah. So I'm just curious to stay on this topic for, for one more question.
1: I've, I've gotten into this and
0: I've told myself this in the past that my Sabbath is one to two hours a day. So I don't have to take a, a particular day. What are your thoughts on, on that?
1: I think you should do both, right? I think that it's, and that's what my, my, my me time is in the morning, right? I get up, I immediately drink a 12 ounce glass of water because you're hydrated in the morning. I then go and read scripture and pray and do a devotional. And then I go and engage my body physically. Um, And we have an infrared sauna. So a lot of times I'll go sit in that in some of the mornings. And that's like my, my quiet, safe place. And so, you know, that does take one or two hours. If I add all that up in total, I got to take care of the animals first thing in the morning watch the sunrise on in the farm. So I, I do, I have a mini Sabbath, right? Every morning. And I, I, I certainly appreciate that. I also think it's important to have, um, that full day. Um, it doesn't have to be eight hours. Right. And like we go to church, we come home, we, we have lunch. There's always stuff to do around the house. Um, we get organized on Sundays, right? As the family, but there'll be several hours during that day where I'll just kind of shut it down and go engage in something that's meaningful to me and that is, is refreshing. And I think that's what people need to find is what is that for you and how much time do you need to walk away from that day feeling refreshed and re-energized?
0: Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So I know some people, switching gears just a little bit, but I, I know people who engage so much in their children that they their marriage they become distant in their marriage. And so I wanted to really, really ask your opinion on this as far as how do you, and it's really out of love, right? It's out of love and responsibility for their kids that they're, they're completely engaged. And all of a sudden years go by and they realize that they have really been married to their kids and and they really haven't invested in their spouse. How do you stay? How do you get it? keep from, from falling into that, being as engaged of a dad as you are? And, and really just for any parents, how how do you stay engaged as a, as a parent intentionally? I guess that's the word really is intentionality, but uh, how do you keep it from from really creating distance between you and your spouse, you and your wife?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question, Mike. And I think for us, what we found is that alignment is really important, and then constant communication, and then consistency. Those would be the three things, so three buzzwords, alignment, constant, communication, and consistency. Um, By alignment, I mean that at the beginning of the year we sit down and my wife and I just kind of go off and take a night away from the kids and we just pour into each other, We, we goal set, we vision board for the year. We do that individually, do that as a couple. Um. what we want for our, our marriage, for our family, for the following year. Just pray over that. And we come up with a word for the year for our family. We kind of realign our, our family mission, vision, values. And so we, we have a lot of alignment during the beginning of the year. And then we do the kids, the same exercise with them. Um, this last year, we wrote our obituaries together. Um, mm. Each wrote our, our own. Um, very, very amazing exercise. We sat down and did our one-word purpose statement. The purpose of my life is two. And then, you know, label that one word purpose statement, mine is to connect. Heather's is to design. Um, everything I do is connection. I'm at my sweet spot when I'm connecting, right? That's what I've been uniquely gifted to do. She's an incredible designer. Um, she designed so many things in life, it's amazing. And so like, we understand that about each other and then we take all of that and that alignment creates, creates the ability then to go throughout the year. And now we're on the same page, right? We're, we're headed in the same direction, which is extremely important. Because if you're going in two different directions and you want two different things, you have two different goals, then, you know, that's that's hugely troubling and problematic in a marriage. Um, and why that's important, what I'm getting to is so we sit down with the kids and we walk through their goals and their visions and their dreams. And we made a commitment as a family, as an example, that we're not going to do travel sports. And we have four kids. And so we've seen the families and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's, it's you, you do you. But at the same time, like for us, we're like, we have four kids. We're both working all the time. Like, we, our weekends are so sacred that we can't be going here and going there and, and doing all these different things and staying in hotels and being separated. And, you know, half of us are here. And ha- I mean, Heather's got her store. It, it would just be chaos in our family. And so we made that commitment and said that's just not something we can do. And so that alignment allowed us to make that decision. And collectively, we made the decision as a family. Our kids still play sports. They get plenty of sports in. But now that doesn't pull us away as, as a married couple, right? We have the the consistency of being together during the week. Um, family dinner, like really big deal. And we make that very consistent that we're all going to sit at the table the majority of the night during the week and have family dinner together. And we also have an open table. So we have lots of people that come and join us for dinner and come and hang out. And, you know, we, we've got this open community table aspect in our home, and that's been very important. And we also don't just eat dinner. We have really active conversation, um, as a family. And, and a lot of times the kids will take the dishes and they'll go do the dishes. And my wife and I can sit there and talk afterwards and just connect. And that's on a almost nightly basis. So there's things like that you can do. And that's part of that, um, consistency. And then just the constant communication, where we are constantly communicating what's working what's not working um I'm having an issue here you're, at, you're you're causing me to feel this way there um and we use a lot of a lot of the amazing marital tools that are in our toolbox like um the five love languages right understanding what those are and what your spouse needs and are you you know is their love tank empty or are you filling it up um we talk a lot about the um the DNA of relationships. Another great book by Gary Smalley it talks about fear buttons. And are you stepping on your spouse's fear buttons, minor validation and control being invalidated and being controlled. So like understanding those, um, we deal a lot with Emerson egrix love and respect, right? If I feel disrespected, then I don't give my wife love. If she doesn't feel loved, then she disrespects me. And then you get in the crazy cycle. So going around and around. So like just also learning and knowing all of those things that are going to be important in your marriage, And that really brings me to maybe a word I didn't say, but like you got to invest just like you're investing in, in, in your kids. Like we talked about, you have to invest in your marriage. So if you're, if you're only investing in your kids, then, you know, you're making a lot of deposits and that account is going to grow over time. But if you're not equally investing, if not more in your marriage, then, and you're constantly making withdrawals, then what is the status of that account going to be when you add up months and years down the road? And that's why you have couples that their kids leave the home and they look at each other like, who are you? And what are you doing here? Right. It's because they've invested in their kids all that time and haven't invested in their marriage along the way. So we've chosen to invest in our marriage first and then the kids come second. And, and we've been very consistent with that. And as a family, we make a lot of decisions in unity with four kids that works very well and they've all got a say, but ultimately mom and dad are going to make the final decision.
0: So, all right, you said a, a bunch of amazing stuff there. The, the, for parenting question, how do you reconcile what if, if the, the thinking that, and I'm, I'm trying to think, because I've had these thoughts, I think, I think a lot of us have, the, 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 the thought that, well, what if my kid is the next Mike Trout and I'm holding him back by not putting him in travel baseball? What I've got, I should do everything I need to do to put my kids in position to succeed at the highest level. And how do you reconcile those thoughts? They that, that uh, well, if he's the next Mike Trout, then either I'm holding him back, or he's going to figure it out anyway. Uh, what would you say? What would you say to parents that? And then, like I said, I've I've fallen into that as well. You know, I have those thoughts too.
1: Yeah. No. I and I agree, and that's why I said you got to do you right. And and with our dynamic, with four kids. Um, it was just an important family decision when they were young that we made that decision. We did have the conversation to say, look, if one of our kids comes out and they're naturally gifted or they have an extreme passion and they, they're willing to put in the work and they want to go for that goal, I mean, if that's part of their vision is I want to play D1 sports, right? then we know what that commitment looks like. We know that in mm-hmm. certain sports, travel is you know a requirement. Um, fortunately, our, our boys have all chosen football, or cross country is like their sports and they do Spartan races and my daughter does volleyball. And so, you know, their volleyball has some of that, but football really doesn't have a travel program. So, you know, by nature, they kind of eliminated that, but we didn't, that wasn't, we let them play all the sports. They kind of gravitated towards what they liked. And then we just started making choices and helping foster those things. So for us, it was just watching our kids. Like, and this is what I would be careful. You gotta be really careful. Is it your kid's dream or is it your dream? right? And that's what I think. was listening. Um, that's what you have to evaluate. And is it your dream for your child to play D1 sports? Are you pushing them to do that? I played sports all through school. I, I love sports. I think there are so many things you can gain from it. Um, I just feel like the majority of kids, like the percentages are less than, you know, 10%. It's like 5% of kids go and play D1 sports, right? At a major college. And so and then above that, it's like 1% to go on to the next level. So if your kid's got that talent, you want to foster that, but by, by all means do that. But I would also say just check your real motives and is it about you or is it about them? And at the end of the day, it's about the relationship, not the results that matters the most. And so are you giving your kid diversified experiences? Are you building your relationship as a result? And what's the impact on your family for making those choices? I think all those things have to be considered. And you know, I would say this this is a, a, a decision-making tool that Andy Stanley um, spoke about years ago that I gained, and it's the wisdom algorithm. And it's what is the wise thing to do based on past experiences, current circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams. Wise thing to do, past experiences, current circumstances, future hopes and dreams. And we use that a lot in our decision-making processes. And so we talk through those things, and it's like, hey, look, you know, one of our kids. They want, to, they want to go all in on this new sport. And we're like, okay, well, past experience, you like to try a lot of things. And you get all excited about it, and then you do it. And then a season later, you're like, oh, I want to do something else, right? Past experience. Current circumstances, we got four kids. We're working. We're doing a lot, right? It's, our schedules are already busy and jam-packed. Future hopes and dreams. Um, our child wants to play D1 sports, and, you know, this will give them a leg up, and it will help them advance. So then we take all that into account and say, does this make sense? right? Or they don't want to go to college. They don't want to play D1 sports. So why are we going to invest a lot of time, money, and energy into something that's not going to be part of their future at this point based on what we see and what they say? And that certainly helps you make those decisions.
0: Yeah, I agree. You said something so important that you as a parent have to make the evaluation yourself of does my child have the ability and or do they have the the work ethic in the drive? And if if so, uh, I'm I'm in total agreement. If so, I'll foster it. I'll 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 help. I'll foster. I'll do you know what I can to uh, to help them get to their goals. But if they don't, you as the parent have to make the decision of is this going to upset the family? Is this even worth it? And if so, that you you said the relationships are more important because eventually the travel sports or the high school sports are going to end and they're going to go to college. If they place college sports, eventually college is going to end and they'll, they'll either go pro or not, which is a minute percentage. And then eventually, unless you're Tom Brady, your professional career ends, right. And you have the rest of your life after that. So the relationship is, is much, much more important of a foundation to have and to build when your kids are younger, because that's going to stay with them for the rest of their life. Eventually, the the athletics are going to end at some point um and you as a parent have to you've got to be the parent in that situation you've got to 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 make that decision
1: well i think of what's your goal right as a parent and and the goal that we came up with as a family was we want to raise good kids that become great adults yeah i don't want to raise great kids i want to raise good kids to become great adults and that means they're going to have to fail a lot as a child To learn those lessons and build the character qualities and build the value systems and the foundations that are going to help them become great adults because we live in a very difficult challenging and hard world today right and and if you just go through life in a mediocre capacity you're not going to make it as an adult and make you know major impact and whatever you're called to do and so i view it as you have to be well-rounded have diverse experiences I think athletics are vitally important to that, right? Both team sports and individual sports. There's so many lessons that we could talk about for days, and you know, character qualities and values that you gain from that. But at the same time, like, is that, what's the opportunity cost, right? Is there a threshold? And like you said, if my kid is is not going to be the next, you know, Tom Brady or or isn't a D1 prospect, then the value of them playing school sports is. Is phenomenal, right? They're going to gain so much from that, or rec sports, or or local club sports, whatever. But but if they're if if they are not going to be next level, then why? Again, who's pushing them to do that that next level thing? And I think that's an important conversation to be able to have with kids. There's not a lot of parents that are willing to look at their child and say, "Look, I love you. I think you're great. You're a very talented child. But like, this is not your thing. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not the great at this, and that's okay, right? How do you work to get better? How do you how do you play smarter? How do you use other skills and assets? And those are going to be life skills that are going to carry with them well into adulthood, rather than just saying, oh, you were an amazing, you know, ball player. And then they, ha- they learn nothing from that. So, you know, again, I'm always looking at the higher purpose, the higher principle, what can we take away from it? And the root of your question was, you know, how do you do this? In, in your marriage to maintain that and do all these other things. And then at the same time, how do you not stunt or diminish the potential of your child? And I think it's, there's always going to be tension there. Um, I don't believe in balance. It's, there's tension and you got to manage that tension. And there may be seasons where it slides a little bit one way and slides back and literal seasons if we're talking sports. Um, but it can only be a season and you have to eventually, you know, move the tension in the other direction because if it stays one side too long, that's what the strain comes in and something eventually snaps.
0: I agree that balance is a myth. If you're trying to balance everything every day and have, have a, have daily balance, you're going nowhere. It, it, it's just, you're going to be stagnant. It's you, you've got to make strides and it's, yeah, it's, it's going to ebb and flow. Um, so <laughs> Oh, I know. I remember. Okay. Your move. Can you share a little bit about, you you talked about this last time we talked when uh, you were moving from, I think it was when you were moving from South Carolina to Tennessee, you were signed up for an event, you got injured and your mindset and what you learned from that, the mindset of I'm doing this anyway, until it literally, you knew you literally was too late, too, too late to, you know, to, to realize you couldn't do it.
1: Yeah there's a couple of principles that I'll unpack here. This is a powerful, powerful moment in my life and my story. So, um, I believe that far more is taught than taught when it comes to your kids, your kids learn a lot more from, from your example and what they see and witness in your life, your behaviors, as you said earlier, than what you speak to them and what you try to teach them. And, and that's an important point. So hold that thought, right. As we go through this story. So I was, um, Training for a hundred mile and twenty-four hour running race, and uh, we were set to do it. Is going to benefit a, a charity that uh, goes after human trafficking victims and helps them. And I was running it in Utah. We were. I trained for six months. Was ready to go. And it was our last surfing trip in Charleston before we were moving to Tennessee. And I was out with my son Blaine, my oldest, kind of just hanging out on the waves, hanging on my board. I saw a good wave. I said, I'm going to go get this one. So I went to push off the bottom to jump up onto the board and I stepped on a stingray, stung me in my lower foot. The, the um, stinger went all the way in and the barb you know, came back out eventually and um, got to shore and had a massive hole in the side of my foot and bleeding and uh, the most pain I'd ever experienced in my life, uh, massive swelling. And um, you know, the next day, I got up and did a Spartan workout that morning, um, just to prove that like, look, you can overcome your mindset. And I filmed it and it was being silly just to the point of, again, that mindset matters, right? That look, my foot hurts, but I'm not going to die. And it's a rule that we have in our family is the difference between being hurt and hurting. And so I was hurting, um, because I just gotten stung by a stingray, but I wasn't hurt, meaning Doing a Spartan workout was not going to further damage what had happened to me. Um, I was just hurting. I was in pain, but I could push through that pain. I could overcome that pain. That was part of the process. So my kids saw that. They watched that. A big part of me doing that workout was simply for my kids to see, gosh, dad just got stung by this stingray. And the next day he's out there working out because he's got this, this race that he's trained for and worked so hard for. He's going to let this hold him back. So we moved like literally the next day. Um, we get to Nashville, and uh, it gets infected, and I have to go into to emergency surgery, and they open up the side of my foot, do emergency surgery, and I come out, and you know I'm in a moon boot, I'm on crutches, my foot is now got a massive scar down the side, it severed a nerve, my outside of my foot's numb, and the race was in in literally a week from the date I had surgery now, and I go to my wife and I said. Um, I'd already had my plane ticket booked. Everything was ready to go. And I said, I'm, I'm running the race. And she's like, you're on crutches in a moon boot. You're not running the race. And I said, I'm running the race. So I found a chiropractor that did um, K-laser therapy. I started K-laser treatments. Um, I considered stem cell therapy, but the, the doctor said it wouldn't make a big difference and I'd waste a bunch of money. Uh, I did everything I could to get better. And um, the day before, I finally had to call my buddy, I was running the race with and say, you know, I'm so sorry. You know what happened? Um, I'm not going to be able to run the race. Right. And it was devastating for me to have to come to that conclusion. But uh, I knew that if in my mind, I continued on the path mentally that I was running the race, then my healing process, my preparation, the intensity with which I approached the healing process would be much more intensified because of you know, that goal that I was, that was moving towards that I trained so hard for and my wife and everybody else thought I was crazy. And I kind of had to play the game a little bit so that I would believe what I was saying about myself. But I I mean, I knew in the back of my mind, was I going to be able to run? No, you know, I knew that, but I convinced myself otherwise. And I moved towards that goal and did it heal my, my foot faster? Absolutely. Um, it did. And you know, the chiropractor, the people that were doing the treatment said, and the orthopedist, like, I'm amazed at how fast your foot healed. Um, at the same time, it just moved, kids are in a new school, new environment, whole lot of change in our family, and let's go all the way back full circle now and talk about being selfish, and I recognized that I was also being extremely selfish by even considering running that race hurt or, or unhurt. Um, my family needed me to be there for them. My kids needed me to talk to them as their dad and help them with this transition and this change. New school, new friends, new sports, new everything. My wife needed my support. Um, Physically, I was down a little bit, but I was still there to do things and she needed me to help out. And God gave me this vision of, um, and the story of Jacob and Esau, when they finally remet after years of being estranged. And Esau said, come back to my land. And Jacob said, if I go with you at your pace, my flocks and my children will die. And that hit me so hard in that moment because I recognized that my pace was totally out of alignment. I wasn't running at the pace of my people. I was running at Justin's pace. And my pace was 100 miles in 24 hours after getting stung by a stingray. And that's not what my family needed. That's not where my family was. And so I had to sacrifice and give that up in order to be there for my family. So there were two principles going on all at once. One was, you know, mentally, you create those pathways neurologically that are, are you know that positive growth mindset where you're moving towards something, and it did enhance my healing, and that's true whether you're hurt or not. That's that's a, that's a proverb for life. On the other end of that was also running at the pace of your people and recognizing um, those around you to love your mo- the most, your spouse, your wife, your kids, and are you doing things that are um, causing you to run ahead of them in the race of life? versus running with them and what can you do to adjust that? So I adjusted a lot and I actually started to do a lot of my training with my kids and brought them into it. So it wasn't me by myself. It was my training with my kids. And I recognize I'd, I'd achieved a lot of my goals in life. There were more that I will achieve, but I'd rather achieve goals with them and watch them now achieve their goals than try and do some of the things that I was doing myself.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Cause as, as you were talking, I was thinking, can you, can you run ahead of your team and pull them forward. And you, you kind of answered that with, you're now uh, doing you know, you're training with your kids and that's that, uh, that's it right there. It's instead of leaving them behind and running on and, and really leaving them in the distance, you're doing it with that. You're leading still going forward still, but you're bringing them with you. You may need to slow down a little bit, your, your Justin's pace, right? And correct me if I'm if I'm misstating this, but this is what I'm getting from that is you may need to slow down Justin's pace a little bit so that they can catch up. Not that you're going to stop, not that you can't run 100 miles. It may not be in your time in your time frame when you want to do it. It's evaluating the situation and, and leading your team forward, which in this case is your family, rather than leaving them in the dust and continuing on with Justin's pace and what Justin wants at Justin's time.
1: Exactly right. And here's the perfect example of how that transitioned over. So I had um, a good buddy of mine who had a college age son who was getting ready to run a Spartan race. He needed to get back in shape for his, his college basketball season. And um, he had his, his college roommate who also played basketball. And uh, these are both their dads the two guys I look up to immensely. And they've been mentors to me, and they asked me to mentor their kids for a couple of days and get them in shape and show them what it meant to be, you know, ready for a Spartan race. So they came in town, and we've got a trail by us that's it's about 10.2 miles in total, and lots of elevation. It's you know rough trail, and we went out to to run that trail, and I told him it was an eight-mile run because that's the distance of the Spartan race they're about to run. They didn't know it was 10.2 miles. I told them it was eight. So again psychologically i'm getting them prepared um for, for running that race because they, they're like i can do eight miles that's the race i have to run anyways um so we go into that that run and my um blaine my oldest son is going to ride the bike and kind of be our pacer ahead of us and also make sure that the, the trail is cleared there's a lot of cyclists on this on this trail and then my my middle son mason said i want to go with you guys i'm like okay get your bike he said no i want to run i said mason um man, this is a long distance. And like, we're going to be running at a fast pace. You got to be able to keep up with us. We can't stop. And we can't just leave you in the middle of the woods either. So like, there's no other option. If you, if you decide to come, then you've got to do the race. You have to be at our pace. And I just want you to know that you can do it, but you just have to know that that's the, that's what you're getting yourself into. And he said, I can do it. I know I can do it. I said, okay, you can do it. So we ran, um, they were, they were whining when they got to eight miles and realized they still had more to do. Um, but we got through all 10.2 miles. And at the time, my eight year old son ran 10.2 miles. The most he'd ever run in his life before that was three miles. And so think about what that did for him. He ran it. Uh, one of the guys is bigger and was a little bit slower. So he trailed behind. So he ran with him. They still finished at about a less than a 10 minute mile pace. and. That's an incredible achievement. And so for him, you know, yes, did I push the pace? Absolutely. But did I cause him to do something that was way outside of his comfort zone and he would have never done it by himself? Absolutely as well. Um, but we did it together, right? Although my pace was a little bit faster. To your point, I was pulling him along and he achieved see something in life that'll be a, a, a lion's mane and a bear claw in his tent for a long time to come. And then fast forward, he did cross country this year. He finished first in every race that he ran. And why was that? Because he's, he did 10.2 miles because he runs our Hill every day. He carries sandbags up and down our Hill. So when he hits challenges in life, when he hits hard things, he goes harder. He tells himself it's easy and he's able to accomplish those things where the other kids, right? The Hill is hard to them, to him. It's easy. And I've seen that translate. So. That's the byproduct right of me sacrificing my goals and ambitions and instead peeling back and saying, "Okay, now how can I invest that same type of philosophy in my kids help them achieve their goals and I'm seeing it you know bear fruit in amazing ways
0: that's so good. he outran his age we I mean, put that in perspective if you're thirty years old, go run thirty five miles if you're fifty, go run sixty miles I mean, that's kind of the that's kind of the perspective and I know we're we're at time. If you have a minute, I'd love for you to share what you're currently doing with Daddy Saturday and what your what the future is, Um, if you you do have a couple more minutes, because I know there's some exciting things that are coming up, particularly this June, and would love to hear about what, uh, you know, what the future holds and what the vision is going forward.
1: Absolutely. So I would say this too, if you want to connect with me, connect with me on LinkedIn, at Justin Batt, it's the easiest way to find me. I'm very active on the platform at Daddy Saturday, everywhere else. And then the special event that Mike's speaking of is the next big thing for Daddy Saturday is we do events, experiences, education, and use technology to help fathers be engaged with their kids and to end the cycle of fatherlessness. And how we're doing that is we're combining all of it into one big event, Father's Day weekend. It's the granddaddy of all fatherhood events at the Pro Football Hall of Fame Village in Canton, Ohio. June 17, 18, 19. We've got a three-day agenda. Friday night is Kurt Warner, and underdog movie there in the stadium. Um, Saturday is all day. Um, rotations with dads and kids going through the dad zone, the dad combine, the dad games. Uh, it's going to be a blast. We have the mom's huddle for the moms. that will be in attendance as well. where They'll be pampered and have a lot of fun. We've got a concert that evening with Jimmy Allen, country music star which we're super excited about. And then on Sunday is the Hall of Fame Brunch and Gold Jacket Tour. And there's going to be, you know, Hall of Fame Gold Jacket members there. There's going to be NFL alumni, uh, future Hall of Famers, active NFL players, and some celebrity guests. And it's just going to be an amazing opportunity for dads and kids and moms and single moms and kids without dads all to come together in the community and experience uh, the best in fatherhood, Father's Day weekend.
0: That's so awesome. Well, brother, I, I am convinced that nothing will change our culture, our society, our country for the better, more than if men will step up and be the husbands and the dads that they have been created to be. I'm convicted of that. So I appreciate so much what you're doing as a, as a dad of two myself and, and knowing the, the grind and, and how difficult it is to be that intentional dad, as well as the husband, um, and the leader of your family. So I, I appreciate everything that you're doing and, uh, we'd we'll love to hook up someday since we're, since we're close and, uh, and get together for, for a training, uh, exercise or something like that. But, um, Thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing this, for who you are, for what you're doing and, and for sharing such amazing insight with people today. Really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you, Mike. Thanks for having the platform and for the work you're doing in marriage. And I know you're an awesome dad, your two kids as well, and want we'll to get you all down to the farm and come experience it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. Well, have a, uh, have an amazing rest of the day. Enjoy daddy Saturday tomorrow and, uh, yeah, hope to see you again soon, man. All right, take care. All right, man, see ya.